at the end of my junior year of college, I decided to stay for graduation because some of my friends were graduating and saw them off into the great beyond uh, college to uh, celebrate all that they'd done and accomplished. And uh, after that ceremony, I was back in my dorm room and just making sure that I'd cleaned everything out of that. My car had been packed with all my stuff, ready to go back home for the summer. And I found myself kind of looking out the window on the campus. And it was a, a bittersweet moment. Uh, celebrating my friends who had graduated and going off to college, to the graduate school or going into the workforce and uh, standing there in an empty room in an empty building and realizing that next year that would be me. And uh, I was excited that my senior year had arrived, but I was also kind of uh, sad that it had arrived because I loved college. It was a lot of fun, learned a lot, made a lot of good relationships, and I wasn't sure if I was quite ready yet for the big world yet. Uh, and so I was just standing there looking out that window, uh, wondering what it would be like the next year uh, when it was my turn to say goodbye to college and go out into the world. Um, and I'm guessing that you have had experiences like that, whether you've been in college or not. Uh, some of those big watershed moments in our life where change is happening, transition is, is moving us forward. Uh, for some of us, it, it, they're big occasions. Uh, the weddings, uh, for baptisms, all those uh, graduation things that we celebrate. Uh, for some of us, maybe it's we've moved to a different city, we've started a new job, or maybe we've started a new um, project at work that's going to take a lot of time and an intense focus. Maybe we've welcomed new staff to our, uh, our workplace, or maybe our children are getting ready to graduate or start uh, a new phase in their life. And so uh, the longer we live, the more we realize that one constant definitely is change. Uh, change happens. It continues to happen. Uh, some of us face retirement. Some of us are battling illnesses and our bodies are changing and we're going through all of these, these transitions. And so um, where do you find yourself in life right now in terms of change, brothers and sisters? Uh, I was reading uh, a book called Managing Transitions in which the author, uh, William Bridges, uh, talks about how uh, that change really isn't the hardest part for us, right? The physical change. Uh, we, we move, we graduate, we buy a new home. That's the physical change that happens. He, he says the harder part is what he calls transition, and that's to get our mind around what's happened. Right? We've graduated, but it's going to take us a long time to live into the new normal. Uh, we're getting ready to retire. We know our life's going to change. How do we get our mind around that transition? And so this author says the change isn't the hardest part. The, the hardest part is that transition of, uh, of getting used to the new normal, the transition in that. So, brothers and sisters, what transitions are you going through right now in your life? What transitions do you anticipate coming soon in your life? Maybe it is a life change like a graduation or a retirement or having a baby. Uh, or maybe uh, it's just something that we know in our life might need to change. Maybe we need to kick a habit. Maybe we need to let go of some baggage that we've been carrying around in our life for a while that's been dragging us down. So what transition might you be going through now or that you might be going through in the near future. Well, thankfully, the Bible has a lot to teach us and to help us with. And so I want to dive into that today to God's Word because God gives us lots of examples of people going through transition. And I think we can learn a lot from them. Everyday people like you and me, they lived at a different time, 
but they were going through some of the same things that we go through. So I want to go way back today. We're going to go back to the first book of the Bible. We're going to be in the book of Genesis. And we're going to meet a man named Abram and a woman named Sarai. Later, they're going to be named Abraham and Sarah, but that name change has not yet happened. They lived roughly about 2,000 years before Jesus would be born. And what was going on was that God had created the world. He created humanity and, and was in relationship with humans. And, and some of that went well, and some of the people did great things, and, and some didn't and made bad decisions and choices. And so, long story short, God and humanity kind of have been separated. There's this big chasm between us and God. And, and so God launched a plan to win us back. And the first step in that plan was he was going to create a nation, the nation of Israel, to show as a symbol to the world of what a relationship between God and people could and should look like. And so God chose a man named Abram, a woman named Sarai, who lived roughly in the, in the world, modern-day world, somewhere in Iraq or Iran, to begin to build that nation of Israel. And so we're going to pick up with the story of Abram and Sarai as God calls them to make some major transition in their life. So let's dive in with Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. Abram, I want you to leave everything that you know and go somewhere that you've never seen because I need you to do something for me. Talk about change and transition. Abram is faced with a great deal of it. I will make you into a great nation. And I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Ultimately, Jesus will come from the nation of Israel and all people will be blessed through you. So Abram went. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions that they had accumulated and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. And at that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram, and he said, To your offspring... I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. So put yourself in Abram or Sarai's shoes. You have grown up, lived in this land for 75 years for Abram, 65 years for Sarai. It's the only land that you know, the only home that you know. All your family and friends are here. All your work has been here. Your home is here. Everything that you know is here. And now God says to you, I want you to leave everything. And I want you to go to a land that you don't even know. You've never been there. There's people who live there. And I want you to, to take over that land. And I want to make you into a great nation. I want you to, to start a family. At age 75 and age 65, I want you to start having children and to have a family. Now, the scripture says simply, so Abram went. Now, when we read that passage of Scripture, that's an incredible statement of faith to me. 
that Abram says, I'm going to leave it all behind. I'm going to do what you want to do, God. I'm going to follow you. And the scripture says, so Abram went. We'll read later in the New Testament when when the Apostle Paul and some of the other writers are writing about having faith in God, how they come back to this moment in time to, to Abram and say, that's the kind of faith that we should strive for. He went. He did everything that God asked him to do. And he went. Now, if you're like me, sometimes I want to know more. I want to know what's not said in the Bible. I want to eavesdrop on Abram and Sarai when they're having the discussion in their home about, hey, did you hear what God just asked us to do? You know, what were those discussions like? Right. Was it one of those discussions to say, you know, Abram, that's great, but this is our home and and our families here and you know, this is where we fell in love and this is where we went on our first date and this is where we got married. This has been our home for all these years and, and how can we do that? That makes me so sad that, that we have to leave. You know, maybe that was part of the discussion. Or maybe part of the discussion was, you know, it's about time, Abram. You know, you promised me, you know, 60 years ago when we got married that, uh, uh, well, no, she'd only be five years old then. So, uh <laughs> let's say 40 years ago, that you were going to show me the world and we've never left Haran. It's about time that you're going to take me somewhere and we're going to see something, right? I'm so tired of living in this dump. I can't wait to get to the land of Canaan and see what that's like. So maybe that was some of the discussion. Maybe some of the discussion was, we're going to have to start having children and, you know, we lost that love and feeling, baby. It's time to find it again. And so uh, we got to start a new nation in a new country. Who knows what some of those discussions were, but... What was important was the action. So Abram went. And we ask ourselves, so what? So what does that mean for us? What, what is that? God's not calling us to start a new nation or uh, you know, a new country, that kind of thing. What, what does that mean for us in our own lives? As we think about our transitions and the change that we experience in our lives, what, what does this have to teach us? And I, I think it's this, is, is to receive what is next... We must let go of what is now. To receive what is next from God, we must let go of what is now. And for some of us, sometimes that can be easy and we're eager and we can't wait. For others of us, that can be very difficult and, and we want to hang on to what's right now and we're scared to go into what's next. We're not sure what that's going to look like. But to receive what is next from God, we must let go of what is now, and you can imagine an acrobat who is on a trapeze that to receive that next trapeze, you have to let go of the one that you're on. But, you know, if I'm 100 feet up in the air, even with a net, it's going to be hard for me to let go of that trapeze. I'm going to hang on to what I know. Right. But to receive what's next, we must let go of what is now. And Abram and Sarai do that and they step out in credible faith. Uh, it's going to take them 25 years to have that child. And there's going to be a lot that they're going to go through. But thanks be to God, they did what God asked them to do. Because ultimately, the land of Israel comes, the nation of Israel comes, and through that, Jesus comes. And so to receive what is next, we must first let go of what is now. Uh, as we read Scripture, as we learn more about God, it seems that transformation and transitions are normal. It's a normal part of life with God. We want to jump to the New Testament. Uh, we're going to be in the book of Romans, which was written by a first century pastor, a guy named Paul, who started a lot of churches in the Mediterranean world. And one of those churches was in Rome, the city of Rome. And so he's writing to the Christians there in this letter. And this is what Paul says to the Romans. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Paul says, if we want to know God, we have to let God change us, to transform us, to to start thinking more like God and, and less like the world. So if we can figure out what God wants to do, we need to begin to open our minds to what God is saying to us. And and I think what Paul tells us here, and he tells us elsewhere, and the whole scripture tells us basically, is that, is that one of the things that God is always asking us to do is to be transformed. Right? One of the core, the three core values of our church is transformation because of the way that we read scripture. And we read scripture as saying that God meets us where we are. He loves us. He cares about us. He, he meets us where we are, and he helps us become something more. He helps us take a step closer to him. And ultimately, the Bible talks about the the theological concept of sanctification to where God makes us more like Jesus. God makes us holy. And so for our whole life in the faith of following Jesus, God is in the transformation business. He's in the transformation process that every day we walk with God, He helps us become a little bit more like Jesus, a little bit more holy. He helps us take that next step. And so As followers of Christ, we really should not be surprised when God calls us to transition, when God brings change into our life, because our God is a God of transformation. And sometimes that's fun, and sometimes it's exciting, and sometimes it's hard and difficult because we have to let go of things that we've held on to for a long time, even things that might not be good for us. We hold on to them because they're familiar. And they're comfortable. And it's easier to hang on than it is to let go. What, brothers and sisters, transition is God calling you to now in your life? What transition is God placing in your life right now? Now, William Bridges, the guy that writes about change and transition, has a few ideas to help us as as we go through this. Um, I'm going to say them to you uh, and let you hear them. Then I'll I'll show you a picture of of them kind of summarized if you want to take a picture of that and remember this. But just for right now, just listen. So the first thing he says when we're facing change, when we're facing transition, basically is to accept the reality. Right? This is happening. I'm graduating. I'm having a baby. I've been diagnosed with this illness. I'm going to retire. Uh, my child starts a, a new school year, right? We, 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 sometimes we can try to deny that, but the best thing to do is to acknowledge it. Okay, this is happening. You know, whether we like it or not, it's happening. Let's acknowledge it. There's, there's going to be some loss involved. The next thing we do is go ahead and name what it is that we're losing. Right? So Abram is, and Sarai are leaving uh, their homeland. They're, they're going to be losing their home of 75, 65 years. They're going to be leaving some family behind. They're going to be leaving familiarity behind. They're going to be leaving security and, and comfort and knowledge and familiarity behind. And, and so they're going to be losing that. And so they, they need to name that. You know, it's, it, that's a part. We're going to miss a lot of the things that we're leaving. The next thing to do is to kind of to name what we're not losing, what's not changing. Abram and Sarai know that God is with them and God's going to go with them and, and, and God's going to be there for them. They're going to have each other. They're not losing everything. They, they have each other. They're taking their nephew Lot, who is a real piece of work, turns out, but uh, at least he's going with them. And so there's some family uh, that's going with Abram and Sarai and, and, and they have their love. They have hope. They have They have the presence of God. So there's some things that are not changing. 
Another thing that we can do in a transition process is, is try not to be surprised by the emotions that come up in our lives because there are going to be a lot of them, right? There's the emotions of grief, of, you know, denial and, and anger and bargaining with God. You know, God, if you let me stay here, then I'll never do anything wrong again, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, so there's anxiety, there's fear, there's uncertainty, but there's also hope and anticipation and excitement and joy. And so when we're going through transitions, we're going to have a, a whole multitude of, of emotions and, and just allow yourself to experience those and don't be surprised. You, know, you could be happy one minute and sad the next. It's, that's just a part of what happens with transitions. Um, another thing that we can do is, is mark an ending with a ceremony. That's why we have baptisms. That's why we have weddings. That's why we have graduations. We, we mark you know, an end to one chapter and the beginning of a new chapter. What did Abram do? He marked it with an altar. Right? He came into the, the land of Israel and he built an altar before God. This was a, a ceremony to say, I, I've, I've left, let go of something and, and I'm open to receiving something new. And so some of those are official big ceremonies and, and some of those can be just things that, that we do on our own, right? Let's go out to eat and, and celebrate what we have and, and, and what we're letting go. Or it might be something, you know, a full church service, something like that. So to mark it with some kind of ritual or ceremony. Uh, and then we can remember that it, when something comes to an end, it reminds us really of, of what's most important. Right? Abram and Sarai are leaving the whole, the only life that they've known, but, but what's most important is their relationship with God, their relationship with each other, right? And that's going to continue no matter what changes, what transitions. And so endings really remind us of what is most important in our lives. And then I'll tag on another one to, to Mr. Bridges. I will say that find an anchor and hang on to that anchor. Right? I'm going to talk about that in just a minute. But, but here's a, a snapshot of what I just said. If you want to take a picture of that, if you want to use this. I think this, these steps really help us with transitioning in our lives to make these moves. Uh, the more that we're proactive about this, the better I think the transition happens, the better that we're able to deal with change. Now that anchor piece, I would say as Christians, whatever transition we're facing, whatever change that we're going through, I think one thing that we can constantly rely on, and that's God. And so I want to jump uh, into the Bible again in the New Testament, uh, the book of Hebrews, which is just one really long sermon we're not quite exactly who wrote that, but uh, it's one really long sermon, and this is, this is the anchor that, that the writer tells us to hang on to. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. In the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the change, in the midst of transition in your life, if you want to know one thing that you can constantly hang on to, that's Jesus. Right? God is unchanging. Right? Our lives change all the time. We become more like Christ. Things come and go. Like We're, we're fallible humans living on the fragile earth, and so we experience change and transition. God is perfect. God is eternal. And so the one thing we can always hang on to and rely on is Jesus, that he's the same and that he loves us and that he's with us and he's working for good in our lives. So in the midst of chaos, in the midst of transition, if you need an anchor right now, brothers and sisters, I would invite you to call out to Christ because he's the one thing that you can always count on and know that will not change. So a takeaway from today, I would just ask you in your life to go home this week, to think about, pray about, talk to your family about, talk to your small group about, is to ask the question, right now in my life, what is God asking me to let go of? 
In my life right now, what is God asking me to let go of? And, and maybe it's not something huge. Maybe you just went through a transition and, and you're living into that right now. Or, or maybe it is something big that's in, 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 it's, it's on the way. It's impending. You know that it's coming. Or, or maybe it's something smaller. Maybe there's several things that are in transition right now. What do we need to let go of? You know, maybe that is a career change. Maybe it's a, a school change. Maybe it's a, a, a move to a different neighborhood. right? Or, or maybe... Uh, it's something where it's more of a spiritual thing or a life change. Maybe there's a habit I need to let go of. Maybe there's some guilt in my life that I need to let go of. Maybe there's some shame in my life that I need to, to release to God and, and to let go of. And, and so I'm guessing that there's something in our lives right now that God's calling us to let go of. Now, what if we were to be proactive about that, walk through some of these steps together and say, okay, this, this transition's happening. What am I losing? What am I not losing? Right? How am I feeling about this? What are the anchors that I can hang on to in the midst of this? If we were proactive and, and did those things, I think that we would have a better experience of the change and transition that we're going through, and it would make our lives a lot easier. So what is God asking you to let go of, to think about that this week and ask yourself those questions, go through that process and see how God might be able to help you navigate that. So this past Friday, uh, my family, Laura and I and the boys, went uh, to her uncle Edwin's funeral. Uh, her uncle died uh, on Tuesday this week. He was 71 years old. Uh, Edwin and his wife Sarah uh, served God as pastors in the Wesleyan uh, denomination uh, for 45 years before retirement. They served five churches in North Carolina across the span of 45 years. Very, very faithful people. They retired and uh, went back to live in uh, Laura's Uncle Edwin's home place uh, where he grew up. And uh, the, a bunch of her aunts and uncles lived there. And so looking forward to a great retirement. Uh, and, and then he also took on another church, a small church in retirement that he continued to serve there for four years. So I guess it, once it's in your blood, it doesn't get out of your blood, the call to, to the ministry. But right after Edwin retired, after 45 years of serving God, he was diagnosed with cancer. Uh, and he battled that cancer, and he was very hopeful. And it went into remission a couple of years ago, uh, but uh, it, then it came back. There was a 1% chance that it would come back. It came back. Uh, Edwin handled that much better than I would. If that had been me, I might have been tempted to say, God, I served you for 45 years of my life. 45 years of my life I gave you. I'm now retired, and now I receive cancer that ultimately is what killed him. That would have been my temptation. That was not Edwin's reaction. We would see him at Thanksgiving and Christmas and all, and you know, every year we would ask him how he's doing. Of course, we, you know, we talked to him throughout the year as well, but those were the times that we'd see him in person and just, you know, Edwin, how are you dealing with this? How are you dealing with it? And you know, he said that there's times that were difficult, but he said, you know what? He's like, this is what I've been preaching about and teaching about and asking people to believe my entire life. Do I believe in life after death? Do I believe in the resurrection? Do I believe in eternity? And he says, I absolutely do. And so I'm going to keep living my life for God. I'm going to keep serving this church in retirement. And, and that cancer did not rob him of his joy. And it was a powerful and, and, a, and a beautiful thing. And, you know, Edwin lived his life such that he didn't see it as, okay, when I retire, that's when my life's going to begin. Right, I've slaved and I've worked, and now I've retired. Now I can really start living like life to the full. Now I can start living life that's good. And he looked back, and he was grateful to God that he had 45 years uh, 
of serving God in five churches and baptizing people and, and leading them through sickness and illness and teaching them the scripture and being with them for weddings and funerals. And, and, and he had a, a wife and he had two children and, and all these grandchildren and a loving family. And so he didn't wait until retirement to start living his life. He lived life to the full with Jesus, just like Jesus promises in John 10, 10. That was his life. And so this week, when it was his turn to let go of the earthly life, he was able to do that because he lived his life to the full and he had Christ in his heart and he knew that he was going to be with God forever in the kingdom of heaven. What a powerful and amazing testimony that even in letting go of our earthly life, that God can help us through that transition with joy and with peace. And it just, it causes me to, to think about Jesus. And I wonder what he was thinking when he was getting ready to leave heaven to come to earth to become a human being. Still being God, but to become a human being. Knowing that he was going to be betrayed and denied and tortured and, and killed on a cross. That, that he's going to let go of heaven where everything's perfect and wonderful and he's in charge and, and everyone loves him and everything's good and he's going to come and, and be in a fragile body and take on human frailty and, and go through all those terrible things. You know, I wonder what he was thinking when he let go of all that. But I'm guessing what he was thinking was all the good stuff that's going to come from that. All of the people that I'm going to meet and I'm going to love and care for and, and heal and, and all the joy and the laughter I'm going to have and the fun I'm going to have with Mary and the disciples and, and all that's going to go on. And, and then after I get through all that terrible stuff on the cross, I know that I'm going to be resurrected and I'm going to defeat sin and, and death and hell and guilt and shame. And I'm going to give every human being from now on to the who, who are ever born a chance to be in a right relationship with me and God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that's why he could let go of heaven, right? So that he could come and he could die and he could come back to life so that you and I can live life to the full. And we can let go of our guilt and we can let go of our shame. We can let go of our earthly death and, and we, can, we can grab hold and we can receive joy and peace and life to the full now and life forever in the kingdom of heaven, Right? To receive what is next, we must let go of what is now. And Jesus is the ultimate example of that. And what a great day it is for us to celebrate the sacrament of Holy Communion. 